Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something, and to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity, and employee satisfaction. Make your organization a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au. You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonçalves. This is your business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 30th of August 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Hebe Chan from IG Markets on the day's 1.2% gain on the ASX 200. But first, we'll start with our CEO series with Flight Centre after its full year result of $301.6 million. That's its full year EBITDA. It's our welcome return to profitability. I spoke with its CEO, Graeme Turner, in detail about those numbers, what's driving the business, and more importantly, I asked him for his take on this latest debate about the government blocking Qatar from adding flights to Australia. Graeme, let's talk about the profits first of all. A $485 million turnaround in underlying earnings over the year, so returning to profit, also paying your first dividend since the pandemic, the total sales the second highest ever. How much of all of this is attributed to external factors like demand and how much of it is driven by operational management? Um, Look, uh, it's a good question, but, uh, yeah, we've been... uh... Virtually shut down now three and a half years ago in March 2020 uh, to virtually uh, no business at all. So it's taken a significant time just to get our operations back up and running over the last uh, couple of years since travel's come back. Um, And um, we'd made a lot of changes during that time when we were effectively shut down, Uh, not, not only in Australia, of course, we're in 26 countries, and so um, getting that operations back uh, and getting it back effectively, efficiently, productive, you know, with good productivity has been a major a major part of it. Now, not uh, saying that, the demand has been um, enormous, you know, particularly in a places like our major, um, op- where our major operations are, like in North America, in UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Um, there's been a lot of demand and, uh, you know, there's no doubt demand has exceeded and outpaced supply at the moment. Uh, so that's certainly helped us, but um, we, we're not seeing any any softening. You know, the, the growth is, uh, from what we see, is continuing. So uh, not not too worried about that. Can we break up some of that demand, right? There was some talk during the pandemic that corporates would pull back on travel given they they started to use technology to conduct business. What are you seeing in the corporate market when it comes to demand? Yeah, well, uh, the corporate is, I think generally people say it's back to about 80% in terms of seat numbers, flight numbers compared to pre-COVID. We're we're back over 100% now because we won some uh, reasonable market share over those last uh, two or three years. Um, And, I think generally it's um, been predicted that we'll be back to pre-COVID levels in the next year or two. So, um, you know, Zoom meetings and that certainly are happening. Uh, People are not travelling in some instances, but just with the natural growth of of business travel, uh, 
I think um, you'll see it come back to pre-COVID levels. Probably in the next 18 months to two years, the market will be back about to that, we think. Um, but, yeah, probably people using other forms of communication as well. What about the leisure market? What kind of demand is there and where is it coming from? Because last week, Qantas said that its frequent flyers were prioritising international and domestic travel over every uh, other category spend. But its frequent flyers are predominantly um, medium to high affluence. So what are you seeing in terms of your customers? What, where is that demand coming from? Yeah, well, it, 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 certainly in leisure, um, you know, particularly international travellers, um, tend to be the ho- higher income, we believe. And this is why we're, we're not too concerned that, you know, that the higher interest rates, the, the uh, higher mortgage rates uh, are going to affect us too badly. Uh, it, and, you know, certainly the airfare, the airfares, we believe, are too high at the moment, and that's due largely to a lack of capacity, particularly out of Australia. But... Um, Generally, we believe that um, people are going to travel. People who tend to travel will tend to be more middle-income earners anyway, generally. So, uh, you know, that's that's where we see it at the moment, Ricardo. Okay, let's talk more about prices. Yesterday, Virgin Australia's Jane Hood Liquor said international airfares are about 50% higher than pre-pandemic. But what are you seeing? And what are you seeing about the potential direction for prices? Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of variation on on the prices there is no doubt that they're higher. Uh, but, for example, Fiji, on our figures, July on July 2019, are about 14% higher. But uh, and, and bear, bear in mind, this is a month old, the, these stats. Uh, but UK, uh, Europe and UK is between 43% to 70% higher in economy, uh, July on July 19. Uh, so it does vary a lot. These shorter holiday destinations uh, seem to be more competitive, you know, like Bali and Thailand. Uh, they're getting back to more like pre-COVID levels, but we've still got a long way to go for those longer haul um, areas. And also Asia's only really come back, you know, in the last six or seven months. So it's still got a fair way to go as well. And a lot of it is that lack of capacity. Okay. Um, just how much capacity is there coming online from various airlines in the in the near term? And given that attention, and, and there's been a lot of talk about the government blocking Qatar from adding those 21 weekly flights to um, Australia's four major international um, airports, how needed is that? Because it's interesting to hear you say that it's those long-haul flights where the prices are quite large, whereas the shorter trips into Asia that they seem to be coming closer towards those pre-pandemic levels? Obviously, for for people like us, for the tourism industry, uh, to get um, you know tourists, particularly Northern Hemisphere tourists, to come back into Australia in, in numbers, this capacity, particularly to Europe and the States, uh, needs to be uh, significantly increased. Um, the, to North America, you know, some of the airlines, like United Airlines, have increased quite a bit, and they generally flew right through the pandemic to, to a reasonable extent. Uh, Europe's still got a long way to go. You know, bear in mind, Emirates and Qantas control 52% of the seats uh, between Australia and the UK, for example. So any extra capacity like that Qatar would have been very, was or would be very important to industries like ours and obviously the, the, um, the tourism industry. The Chinese carriers are coming back over the next few months. 
that will help a bit because um yeah there is on fl- flights to um to Europe and North America through there although they're not generally that popular with Australians um so um you know the the capacity is going to be important uh, in in the in the reasonably near future Singapore Airlines for example has announced they're going to increase their flights numbers and uh they don't need um Australian government permission for that uh, but that's not happening till April next year. So you know we we are looking for um, we are looking for a different government reaction to uh, requests to uh, particularly pr- uh, premier carriers uh, through the Middle East or Asia for that matter. So the existing capacity that's going to come online does that have the potential to already decrease prices? I mean, we heard Alan Joyce talking about allowing Qatar would distort the market. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is a government decision. I think uh, Alan Joyce, uh, you know, I know Alan uh, reads me well, and he's he's a very good lobbyist, and credit to him that um, he he's he's acting in Qantas's interest, obviously. But in the end, it's a government decision, and uh, there is no doubt more capacity will mean lower airfares and more tourism for Australia, and uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that, and. Uh, Certainly in the industry, we would like the government to explain why Qatar was not back uh, and, you know, give us the proper reason because the ones we've got so far just don't make any sense. So, uh, but no, that that capacity is going to be important. It's coming back, but certainly from our point of view, not quickly enough. Our conversation with Graham Turner from Flight Centre continues. Two final questions, both on the business. Um, artificial intelligence is a buzzword in corporate Australia right now. How does Flight Centre use it or how will you use it to benefit the consumer experience? Yeah, well, uh, you're probably asking the wrong person here, but um, I, I have used it a little bit. Um, and in, in our organisation, we are using it and experimenting it with particularly for travel consultants who get complex requests from um, um, from the, their clients, from their customers, as to how they put together a program, a suggested program for the customer. And um, the, the, the initial results are pretty good. You know, it, it obviously needs a fair bit of editing, but it gives uh, quite a – once – if the customer knows more or less what they'd like to do and more or less where they'd like to go, it really cuts down the time and helps – the travel consultants so come up with something that uh, can be a great plan, but you know it still needs a reasonable amount of intervention at the moment. But inevitably, uh, you know where this has come from in the last twelve months alone. Uh, in another twelve months, uh, it, it is going to be a major tool. We think. Final question, and I've been asking every CEO during report during reporting season this final question: um, What is Flight Centre's position on the Indigenous voice to Parliament? Why, and are you financially backing the campaign one way or other? Yeah, this is this is a good question. Now, I am on record, and I've said it. Anyone who asks that I will vote yes for it because I believe there's uh, there's certainly some uh, probable upside and and really no downside that I can see. But in terms of our company, um, and I agree with the board on this, that we don't see it's our position to use shareholders' funds to um, support an advertising campaign, whether it's yes or no, um, and, and the same uh, to advise our people to vote yes or no. It's obviously a fairly divisive 50-50 type thing. So uh, that's our position, obviously different to a lot of other corporations. 
Graeme Turner there, the CEO of Flight Centre. Before we go to our interview with the CEO of Coles, I want to touch on inflation because they do connect. The CPI indicator for July falling more than expected from 5.4% to 4.9%. So does that mean the Reserve Bank will leave official interest rates on hold from here on in? For more, I spoke with David Bassanese. He is the chief economist at BetaShares. There's a, a whole range of things that, are, that, if you look compared to the peak of inflation uh, in December last year, we've had declines in food prices, declines in clothing prices. Uh, petrol prices have obviously come off. Uh, housing costs, certainly housing construction costs have come off. Uh, so there's been a you know a broad range of uh, travel costs have come down. I mean, uh, everyone's been complaining about airline prices, but... Um, uh, and they're still, you know, inflation is there still high, but it's certainly a lot less higher than it was um, late last year. What's interesting, though, is those things that you mentioned are typically quite volatile, like food, mm-hmm. your holiday travel. Yep. When you exclude yep. those volatile items, we know that inflation is still quite sticky at 5.8% annually. Yes. How so? And why is this a concern? Yeah, well, it's true. Like, I mean, if you if you strip out the more volatile, I mean, there's a, a measure called CPI X volatile items and X travel because they've been particularly, you know, bumpy uh, over the last year. Um, so that has declined by less. It also rose by less. So, I mean, it is less volatile. If you strip out the volatile things, you can get a measure that's less volatile. Um, so that even even on that measure, it's down from seven point two percent annual rate. Uh, like uh, December last year, uh, down to 5.8%. So, yes, the decline's not been as great, but the rise in that measure uh, wasn't as great either. Put all of that together, what does it mean for the Reserve Bank? We know the Reserve Bank wants interest rates to be, uh, inflation to be at 2 to 3% annually. I mean, it, it's still about, you know, just under double that. Um, it doesn't expect it to fall to 2 to 3% uh, until 2025, early 2025 from memory, if I'm not wrong. So what do you yeah. think it means for the next move in rates and, and, and um, when it's going to happen? Uh, well, I think the RBA is done raising interest rates. I think the declines in inflation that we're seeing, uh, as I said, if anything, have been a bit quicker than expected of late. Uh, there's every reason to think inflation will continue to come down uh, and um, they don't need to push the economy you know, further into a slowdown. Uh, importantly, long-term inflation expectations are still pretty contained. So uh, provided you know, businesses and consumers still expect inflation to drop back Toward the target over the next couple of years, the RBA can be can remain somewhat relaxed in in um, you know expecting that to happen. So we're still in wait and see mode, but certainly the trends of late have been uh, pretty encouraging. So as Michelle Bullock prepares to take over in a, a couple of weeks, right? Um, we know that the RBA governor, the current RBA governor Philip Lowe, has been consistently talking about um, trying to achieve this narrow path. Do you think it looks like the RBA has achieved that? Well, I don't think we can declare victory yet. It's not, you know, mission accomplished, so to speak. But certainly, the um, the uh, the evidence of late is is strengthening the case that you know we don't need. You know, if we did get a recession in Australia, it would be caused by the RBA having to be aggressive in raising rates and pushing the economy into recession. And um, with inflation easing, um, you know, the risk of them feeling the need to do that is reducing. So uh, that's why I think there's you know good confidence. Um, that, that we can stay on this narrow path, get inflation. We're also seeing this, by the way, globally. In the US, inflation is also coming down. Uh, the central bank there is stepping away from uh, further aggressive rate rises and more and more people are talking about, you know, a soft landing for the US economy and, uh, and no recession. So uh, certainly what we're seeing in Australia is consistent with some of those global trends. 
And I guess the final question, though, is while the headlines today may seem, hey, inflation's moderating, inflation seems to be easing more than expected, I guess some people still say that, you know, they're being hit by the rising cost of living because if you drill down into the numbers, we see electricity prices up 15.7%. We know that rents are still continuing to climb by 7.6%. So it's not necessarily just just overall good news, is it? No, there's still uh, obviously some pressures uh, out there. You mentioned rents, uh, electricity prices, um, uh, and you know education uh, is uh, prices are still high as well. Health and education inflation is still running at just over five percent. So we do have, uh, uh, but even all, on all of those measures, I guess the rate of inflation is less than it was a year ago. So even in the case of electricity prices, uh, the annual rate of electricity price growth has slowed notably in the last few months. It's still very high, uh, but it's come down from, from where it was. That is David Bassanais there from BetaShares. And I spoke to the CEO of Coles, Leah Wecker, today uh, to talk about the direction for inflation. Uh, a few weeks ago, the company did post its fully profit results and also said that full year or, or um, food price inflation rather rose 5.8% in the three months to June. So I wanted to find out where it's going now, just as the company announced some new promotional activity. Leah, you're now following Woolies in cutting the price of hundreds of items in store for about three months, but why now? We know that the number one issue right now for our customers is cost of living, and we have spent months listening to them through focus groups and through surveys, uh, and we know that customers are changing their behaviour. So 90% of customers now tell us that they are shopping for their groceries in slightly different ways. And that's why we're really excited today to be dropping the price on over 500 products uh, across the store and online. You mentioned there briefly the changing consumer shopping behaviours. What more can you tell me about that? The impacts of cost of living on our consumers means that they're shopping the specials much more intensely. They're looking for more affordable options when they shop. So, for example, they might uh, trade out of a brand and into a private label product, or they might find a more affordable protein. So, for example, trading out of red meat into chicken or trading from a steak into something like mince. We also are finding that loyalty points and collecting bonus loyalty points is more and more important to our customers. And that will be particularly the case as we come into Christmas because many of our customers uh, convert their points into dollars off their shop and use that to pay for Christmas lunch. Today's CPI results or food price inflation moderate to about 5.6% annually, although fruit and vegetables are in deflation. I know you updated the market last week with food price inflation at 5.8% in the fourth quarter, but given that we're now about two months into the September quarter, are you able to give me an indication of where food prices are at right now at Coles? We have seen inflation moderate over the last few quarters, and as we've come into the new financial year, there's a couple of categories that have moved into deflation. So, for example, fresh produce is now in deflation, particularly in vegetables. So customers can find really great prices on things like broccoli, capsicum and zucchinis. And we have also seen uh, red meat move into deflation as well. And so the prices on beef and lamb are starting to come down. Artificial intelligence is a buzzword in corporate Australia right now. So how is Coles using it or going to use it to better improve the customer experience? 
We currently have a couple of artificial intelligence use cases in our business, uh, primarily used in the areas of forecasting, uh, where we're able to make sure that the availability of our products in the store uh, is much better than what we've been able to do in the past because uh, the machine learning models are able to anticipate using data like weather and whether events are on, how much of a product we should send into stores. But how does Coles allay concerns about privacy, especially when it comes to, I guess, the experience at the checkout when customer identities are being recorded? Uh, customer privacy is a critical consideration uh, for us, and we always make sure that any activity that we're doing in our stores uh, is cognizant of how customers will react and also following privacy laws. Finally, what's Coles' position on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament? Why? And is the company financially backing the campaign one way or another? Coles is a supporter of the Yes campaign. We haven't made a financial contribution. Uh, we see our role as slightly differently because we are one of the largest employers in Australia with 120,000 team members. And we're also one of the largest employers of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, with 3.5% of our team members identifying as Indigenous. So we see our role as uh, supporting our 120,000 team members with resources and information so that they can understand both sides of the debate. And when they go to vote on referendum day, they are able to personally make an informed decision. Leah Wickett there, the CEO of Coles. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market had a good day today. The S&P ASX 200 up 1.2% to 7,297. Those better-than-expected inflation numbers certainly helped, but there were two other key events that pushed the market higher. For more on that, I spoke with Hebe Chen, an analyst at IG Markets. Yes, exactly. Um, there are actually three key drivers play, um, at play for today's market. For the Aussie market, I think a lower-than-anticipated inflation month. The inflation is definitely much welcome. It means that the pressure has been taking off of RBA. And in this stage, it appears that RBA may not need to make move any interest rate for the next meeting. So that's welcome news for the investors. Out of border, we also have the positive surprise from China and US, which also boosted the market sentiment. But China, China's largest bank announced that they will cut the interest rate for the existing deposits as well as mortgage. So sort of injecting more of capital liquidity back into the market. The US crisis, the US cooler a job market report, which also eased the pressure for the Fed to keep hiking for the next meeting. So all putting it together, we're seeing that the Australian market has been moving quite strongly and all these, sect- all these three drivers are definitely bright after sentiment today. You mentioned briefly there those CPI numbers. What's the market now saying the chances of another move in interest rates are now? Well, the market is actually seeing that probably no change um, for the next meeting and the meeting after that. I think the inflation data today definitely paved the way for the RBA to stay as the wait and see positions for the next two meetings. And especially not only that it's lower than the market's expectation, it's finally back into the below the 5% for the first time. But also we're seeing quite a lot of movements, for example, the full price, some of them even dropping compared to the last year. But also for the next two meetings, we're going to have the transition period for the RBA. We're having the new boss coming up. We all have the old boss will be holding last meeting. So 
putting all together, I think it's quite sensible for the market to expect that we'll probably we're seeing the no change for the next two meetings. Okay, reporting season kicking along today. A few more numbers, but which ones caught your attention and why? Well, yes, we do have quite a mixed ending season so far. But today, I think the fire centre definitely caught my eyes um, because the endings they presented today for me, I think, is definitely a milestone in the company's history. On the one side, they have delivered a the second largest sales number, which sort of supported by their corporate traveling. That's a big plus for the company. On the other hand, they also deliver the first dividend out of the pandemic. So putting all together, I think for me, this is a company that has fully recovered from the pandemic. And also with a coming out with a much healthy structure or, or, or the, 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 the business fundamental view. And the share price for the fire center did not move much today, but if you're looking for longer term, they, the share price actually had to move by more than 50% so far this year. So definitely it was one of the best performers in the ASX this year. And finally, where do you see the opportunities for investors at the moment? Well, I think for the stock pickers or the stock investors, especially for mid to long term, the next question that we need to ask is which sector will benefit the most from a lower inflation and also the potentially the first rate cut in the next 12 months time. I think property is one of the, one of the sectors that um, in my prospect, then that's quite a big, so it's not just the developer, just in the property sale, but it's quite a big industry. Apart from that, I think travel is another one, given that people probably have more money to spending on travel and the demand still quite resilient um, for the past two years. For the forex investors, I think they, they pounds, the Bank of England is the one that only expected to keep hiking for the next meeting. And given the inflation in the UK, it's very likely that interest rate from the for the, for the UK will be much higher than the, its peers for the next two years. So I think the differentiation there will definitely push the the, um, the UK currency much higher. Hebe Chen there from IG Markets. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.